the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Welcome. Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Storms are moving through the area. Hope that wherever you are, you're safe and well. Kath, uh, how are things uh, in the spare room? They are a little dark today uh, mm-hmm. because of the storms blowing through. As you said, I feel kind of unsafe with all the uh, tornado. What did they say? Isolated tornadoes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't make anybody feel no. good because if they're isolated, they could pop up anywhere, right? All of a sudden, like, you know, you're in Kansas and there's right. Toto flying by. And right? if they're isolated, I'm clearly going to have my own. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. not going to be involved. Neither is Mike. No, no, no. Hey, wait, I want to, I, I, I didn't talk to you about this, but friends of ours were married the other day on a yes. Zoom, on a Zoom uh, wedding. And, you know, at the end of the ceremony, uh, you know, they come down off the altar and they walk down the aisle. You know what the, the uh, parting music was? Um, uh, separate ways by journey. No, <laughs> that would be sad. No, the parting music was the exiting music was we're off to see the wizard. Mm. <laughs> see, I feel like I'm going to have a nightmare. That's funny. And the bride's uh, dog is named Toto. Oh my so gosh. I thought of you in your, you know, complete and total dislike of the Wizard of Oz. My wife and I talked about it because we're all like thumbs up. We thought that was hilarious. Right. That's awesome. Except mm-hmm. for my revulsion and fear. I'm sorry for you. I really it's am. Okay. It's the monkeys. Yes, it is. Yeah. The flying monkeys will do you in every mm, time. Tell me okay. About speaking it. of revulsion and fear, um, I saw an article in today's uh, religion news service uh, written by Emily McFarlane Miller How Jesus Became White. And why it's time to cancel that. Now, mm. this image, you know this image, do you not? I know that image, yes. Mm-hmm. Who's that this image, uh, the image is from 1924, uh, an image that first appeared on um, a publication called The Covenant Companion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a magazine for a denomination known as the Swedish Evangelical Mission Covenant. 1924. Okay. And uh, the artist is the Warren E. Salman, S A L L M A N, Warren E. Salman, known as the Head of Christ. And so since uh, 1924, of course, that image, it's a very famous image. It's really sort of taken off around the world. And, and the story goes that the Head of Christ well, was on this uh, covenant companion. And then a. Um, uh, a theological seminary, the 1940 graduating class of the theological seminary, uh, North Park Theological Seminary in Chicago, they commissioned this uh, Mr. Smallman to make a full-blown oil painting of this piece. Okay. And then from there, he he sold it to the, the, the um, seminary, but he also sold a the rights of it to a publisher. 
And then the publisher, of course, started to put that, you know, everywhere. You see it in bookmarks. You see it, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, I'm sure it's been reproduced a billion times. Right. The image has appeared on pencils, bookmarks. It is probably, listen to this. Um, scholar David Morgan has called it the most seen image in America. Wow. More popular than Andy Warhol's soup cans and anything that's come from the pop art era. And it's kind of hard to dispute that, right? You see mm-hmm. that image and you yes. go, oh, that's, she's, that's probably in every – we had that image in our house. I think that at one point that image was in my bedroom as a boy growing up. Okay. Now, the problem is uh, beginning, I think, during the uh, civil rights uh, beginnings in the mid-60s, that image was started to call out because that, that image would hang in black churches. And black people would say, wait a second, that's, that's, a, white, that's a white man. Right. And Jesus is not a white man. And of course, I believe it's true that every culture appropriates Jesus for themselves. Well, all of us appropriate Jesus for ourselves because right. we want to put him into some sort of, you know, canister that we can control. Or that we can relate to, right? Either I one. I mean, especially pre-photography and whatnot, whenever that, you know, you wanted to look at Jesus and think, well, yeah, Jesus is, you know, he is close to me somehow connected to me. So I see him as that white man. It takes away the mystery of it. Well, yeah, I I get that. I just dislike it so deeply because it's just historically wrong. It is. I mean, there's no possible way Jesus could have looked like that based on where he lived. Right. Okay. So since that time, that image, as though it still does proliferate. Now you see images by black artists. You see images by Middle East artists. I saw this, um, a recreation of Jesus, uh, from, you know, archaeologists put these things together. This is what we think Jesus would have looked like when he was alive. I okay. posted images on our Facebook page. Okay. And, uh, of course, there's the Smallman image, as well, the Smallman image as well. There's the Rembrandt image of Jesus. Now, Rembrandt, the artist known for producing hundreds and hundreds of images of Jesus. There's also an African-centric Jesus image. And there is that image that uh, archaeologists have put together of what Jesus may have looked like as a Middle Eastern man. Okay. I think it's fascinating. I think it's and, fascinating, too. And worthy of discussion. I now, think, yeah, what? Do you have an image of Jesus in your home? No. Would you? No. Why is that? Um, I'm just uncomfortable with it. I, I, I feel like any image that we could create is going to somehow fall fall short. short. Right. I'm not saying that no one should try to paint Jesus. I'm not saying that I'd go into a museum and not appreciate um, a painting that included Christ in it, but it's just not something that I feel I'm not, I don't know. I don't need, I don't need to have it in my house. I feel so privileged that I have, we have about 28 Bibles in our house. Right. That gives us the perfect picture of Jesus. Um, But I think it is important to always remind us that Jesus was a man who lived at a particular time in a particular culture on a particular planet. Yes. Um, One of the things, in fact, C.S. Lewis said his very favorite part of the Apostles' Creed was uh, suffered under Pontius Pilate because he said it actually anchors Jesus as as a real man at a real point in history. Right. So this is not something that we made up. It's not some kind of specter. He wasn't a fable. He was a real man and he didn't live in Dayton. No, he did not. So, you know what I mean? He's not (laughs) going to look he's not going to look like me. That doesn't make him any less my savior, any less my friend, any less my creator, because he doesn't look like me. Right. 
Okay, so, you know, and now as a boy growing up in the Catholic Church, we were surrounded with images of Jesus. Surrounded. I mean, statues, icons, you name it. So I'm always comfortable by that. And I'm always curious about artist representation of Jesus. I love that. Yeah. No matter what it looks like, I kind of go, oh, look at that. Someone in their mind's eye, you know, could envision Jesus. And, you know, to create that, of course, it's a, it's a love thing in a way, right? It's a love offering that, you know, I want to see Jesus what what my heart represents. And so I want to share that with you. So I often like, you know, from the Orthodox tradition, I love icons. I think they're Mm -hmm. fascinating. I want to see those. See, now Um, that's interesting because of course, you know, historically the reformers were adamantly, exactly adamantly, adamantly because they didn't think that, you know, they thought that was a, a, that was one of the pro it was prohibited in the 10 commandments. Is it heretical? Um, It was heretical. It was, it was just the fact that you don't, you don't make an image. Right, a um, raven image of God. So, I, yeah, I guess since since we have been doing the show for as long as we have, and we've met so many people from so many different traditions, I've come to you know appreciate how different people have looked at Jesus, and I think hopefully I'm getting to the point where I'm recognizing that the American Western perspective of Jesus is not the one that wins the day. Yeah, well, of course, we're, we're a new country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been thinking and picturing Jesus for a lot longer than Americans have because we're kind of the new kids on the block. Yep. And Jesus doesn't belong to us. No. Mm-mm. I mean, I, we grew up with dashboard Jesus. Did you? Oh, yeah. Did he move? Was he? Uh, on a, no, on he was like solid. It was, a, it was Jesus, maybe, you know, four or five inches or so. Was he and, in a long robe and did he have his hands out? No. He, kind of like Rio side. de Janeiro Jesus? No, 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 no. None of that. It was just sort of, you know, Straight up, because you don't want to, you know, Jesus to obstruct your view as you're he driving. Then Jesus, right? Yeah. It what, was. what if Je- what if Jesus was chunky? He might have been. I mean, in, I in this one image, I'm looking on our Facebook page now, the ride home with John and Kathy. The top right image, he looks like he could be like a bricklayer. Right. That's like strong Jesus. Now, him being a carpenter, that makes sense, right? Yeah, the one, the one on work. the left that you were um, speaking of at the very beginning, the Warren Salmon edition, kind of looks like the um, Jesus of Nazareth, the Franco Zeffirelli version. Right, right, right. And that's like, a distant cousin to the Andy Gibb Jesus. Yeah, it is, or or the Barry Gibb Jesus. Barry Gibb, more Jesus, the Barry. So yeah, yeah. Right, right. could be Andy, but I think Barry usually because he gets the the beard and mustache. Right. And so in the bottom image here, the, this bottom image of Jesus, yeah. that's Miori Jesus, right? Okay. That's like, you know, um, people from uh, like, you know, the Pacific Island who have, um, you know, if you look closely, it's, Jesus is very tattooed. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Can you see that? He's very tattooed. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the culture would have. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just think it's very interesting. I, I love it. Does it mean anything theologically? No, no, not to me. But um, well, I'm the thing curious. the thing it should mean theologically is that, as I said before, Jesus doesn't belong to us; we belong to Him. We surely do. Yes. So yeah, as long as anyway. we get that order of operations right, you know, we can like sort the rest of it out later. Yes. Is Jesus white? Uh, absolutely no. not. But um, Actually, if you want to no. look at look at our Facebook page, the Ride Home with Jonah Kathy, and you'll see. And I, I would uh, recommend you know you Google in. Uh, the images of Jesus, because everyone, I mean, look at Thomas Kincaid. I mean, he, you know, oh, he's, gosh. yeah. That's did he make, did he paint Jesus? Um, I don't think he did. Unless Jesus was in a very sweet little house <laughs> at night with the lights on. Twinkling. I don't know. I'm sorry. Twinkling Jesus. <laughs> anyway, my mom you know, used to always give us these little, uh, these little uh, medals when we were, we leave the, 
and, and everyone who was driving, once we got our first car, oh. could give us a little medal mm-hmm. with a little ribbon, and then we were supposed to attach that to our sun visor up and so mm. that medal was with us. Sorry, Catholic. That's St. Christopher? Is he the one who protects the drivers of the travelers? Uh, well, St. Christopher is, you know, well, see, that's a very complicated thing as well. I shouldn't get started oh, so I there. shouldn't have even delved into it. Because he was a saint, then he was declassified as a saint, but no. there are people who still want to hang him in there. Oh, you know, no. But he is a traveling saint. Oh, no, no, God. these were not. These were not. These were just like medals of Jesus my mom had. And, you know, oh, okay. When she died, we went to like her, you know, one of her drawers. She, uh, she must have had 500 of them. God bless her. She handed them out like candy. And that was just like you know, kind of her little ministry. Okay. Grace Hall. I feel like before we leave the subject, John, it's also important to say that uh, not one white person wrote anything in the Bible. <laughs> no, that's, that's true as well. Right? No, it was a long time before to however, however white-centric we end up feeling, when we open up the Bible, we realize we're reading Middle Eastern people writing. Yes, we are. Not white people. Very good. All right. All right. I mean, that's okay. just the cultural touch point of where we are today. It doesn't make us. It doesn't make us invaluable. It doesn't no. make. It just is, right? Because it's fascinating. Any conversation. Any conversation. Well, I, somebody said. Uh, I don't know. Years ago, uh, whenever I hear somebody talk about Jesus, or I see a film about Jesus, or anything, I have to stop and consider it. I want to listen to it because I love Jesus, and anybody talking about it is fascinating to me. I agree. I agree. Well, so, I'm curious yeah. about that. So yeah. bring it on. I'll oh, that's what we're you. doing here four to six every day for the past 15 years, right? That's right. All right. <laughs> okay. Coming up in uh, the five o'clock hour of a show we're really looking forward to today, we're going to talk about the United States executing its second inmate in the last, what, five days and another mm-hmm. one to come. We're going to open up the phone lines to talk about a contentious topic, but what do you think of the U.S. death penalty? That's coming up in our five o'clock hour. Also, our good friend Todd Allen, Vice President for Diversity Affairs uh, at Messiah College will join us in that hour. We'll talk about um, this hot commodity of companies wanting to hire a diversity official and then how fast those diversity officials end up quitting their job. We'll talk about why. And in the four o'clock hour, we'll talk about drug addiction in this COVID-19 era and our friend Marlena Gray's up next. Marlena in the on-deck circle warming up John even now to talk about her brand new project, The Way Up is Down, Becoming Yourself by forgetting yourself. We've got a great show ahead. It's the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. WORD. Do you believe in miracles? You will when you enter the Colton Dixon Miracles Matchup. You could win a special Colton Dixon prize pack or win a spot performing with Colton on video. Submit your name for the prize pack or submit an audition video of you playing keys to be considered for the video with Colton. Get your entry in today for the Colton Dixon Miracles Matchup now at wordfm.com slash Colton. Eager to continue your theological learning or engage more deeply with Scripture? Enroll as a non-degree or certificate student and take Greek, Hebrew, or other courses online this fall at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Application deadline is July 30th. Visit pts.edu. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. 
Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-308-7862. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-308-7862. 800-308-7862. That's 800-308-7862. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. We are welcoming patients back and we're happy to do so. Although we can't give the normal hugs or handshakes that they might be used to, the same exceptional dentistry, the same compassionate care is still there. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Who are we? Oftentimes, we don't even know who we are until someone tells us something about ourselves. And you think, oh, I didn't realize that. That's me? Well, Marlena Graves is with us. She is a writer and an adjunct professor. A brand new work called The Way Up is Down, Becoming Yourself by Forgetting Yourself. Marlena Graves is with us. Marlena, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. It's always a treat to be on, and I got to hear a little bit about what is in the upcoming hour. What a treat you guys are for the listening area and on the internet. So thank you for your work and your ministry. You're very kind. Thank you. We're happy to be here, Marlene, and always happy to welcome you to the program. And this looks like a really terrific book. Now, because we're separated, you know, John's broadcasting from his spare room. I'm in my spare room, and Mike's back at the studio. I don't have the book. John's holding it in his hand because he's selfish. Because he's selfish, Marlena. That's the way it is. Anyway, (laughs) but I have been reading about the book. It's gotten a lot of terrific press so early. Uh, Marlena, talk about what, why this was your passion to talk about emptying yourself. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I just feel that, you know, I'm 42 years old, so that's my age. But um, in the last decade, I just feel that the church has become on a wide scale in America. I'm not talking about pockets of people and individuals, but I just don't feel like we have a good witness to the culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I know some people might argue with me about it, but I think that uh, you know, I think uh, Peter says, you know, if you're persecuted because you're doing wrong or good, <laughs> then that's one thing. But if you're persecuted because you're doing wrong, that's another. And um, so I just see our witness um, oftentimes more about money, power, and greed, um, and just sidling up to power 
and it could manifest itself in different ways. And it's sometimes even in ministry, it's about self-aggrandization. I can't say that word right now. Self-aggrandizing ministry, um, where we might use the church or you know a platform just to self-aggrandize ourselves. And uh, you know, the that was Jesus's temptation in Matthew four with the mm-hmm. the devil, like you know, jump from this uh, peak and do something spectacular so people will notice you. Turn this, you know, stones into bread so you can feed people. And and that's the great temptations of money, power, and status. And um, so I was just also, I mean, it's not just looking at the church. You know, if you point a finger, you have three fingers pointing back at you. I have to consider my own life. In what way am I uh, bowing to the culture, the idolatries in our culture? And so um, it was, more of a grief for how the church is representing itself, but also I thought about Jesus. Um, I'm very mystified and captured by the fact that, you know, he, and I think we might have talked about this uh, one time when I was on before, but like he was born poor. He did not, when, and he, when he was born, the angels, you know, the, the angels in the night sky, they appeared to shepherds who were the lowest people in that society like they were disregarded and looked down upon it with contempt. And uh, I always wonder, like, why Jesus was not born in a palace, in Herod's palace, or, uh, you know, in Caesar's palace. <laughs> he didn't come be mm-hmm. born to Caesar. He came born to two poor people. And um, I'd like to say also, too, that this book is based on Philippians chapter 2, where it says, consider one another above yourselves, uh, look to one another's interests above yourselves, have the same mind in you that it was in Christ Jesus. So he was rich in heaven. He had everything he could, you know, we could even imagine and more. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. And also there's uh, parts in the Gospels where he's talking to his disciples that um, where he says, many of the last shall be first, the first shall be last, and the greatest person in the kingdom is the servant of all. And it seems to me uh, again, with my qualifier, not everyone, right? Because the most beautiful people I've ever met are in the church. Um, but it seems to me we want to call the shots instead of being the servants of all. I mean, there's talk about servant leadership, but I don't often see that. I, I, I mean, I do see it up close with my own pastors and other people, but the people that have the national mic for Christianity seems to be more about power and putting people down and you know, all these fights, uh, whether it's cultural, political, it's just ongoing. It's just a tangled mess, and it's not a good witness. Jesus made a beeline for the most vulnerable people in our society, and I sometimes find that the church tramples them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see that. I mean, it's easy to be, you know, like, like us. We're kind of so deep inside the bottle, Marlena. And so you do, mm-hmm. you do see Christianity, the warts and all, and, you know, we have an opportunity to comment on that, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. go back. Uh, talk about yourself, though, because, you know, you're really interesting because you, you do have this sort of overview of the culture, uh, you know, in the way up is down. You talk about, you know, holding a lunch ticket um, and it was a free lunch ticket and you, you had a revelation about yourself there. And then a revelation. You come back from Puerto Rico. Someone sent something to you. You have a revelation there. But it, then you also talk about, well, it wasn't until you worked, you were an employee at a Christian college where you saw yourself as underprivileged. Tie all those threads together and tell us that. 
Yeah, so in school, I, I qualified for, free, you know, there's free and reduced lunch. Mine was free. And, you know, uh, back in the day, I don't know how they do it now. They might scan yeah. it. But, you know, you, I had a literal, you know, paper ticket. And I can remember even now as I'm talking, you know, bright yellow, bright green, bright pink. And I didn't know it right away. But, you know, the color of the ticket signified, you know, paying free or reduced lunch. And so at some point, I think, you know, in junior high, you become very self-conscious and, sure. uh, in high school. And so at that point, I started, like, being embarrassed to show my ticket to the lunch lady um, because I just, like, every it's like holding a sign that says I'm poor, the free, you know, the free lunch person. And, but I couldn't always do that because I, sometimes I mean, I was hungry. (laughs) So, but I was, I felt uh, the stigma of poverty. And then um, I think you said when I went to the Christian college, um, I, you know, I noticed some things as an undergraduate student that, you know, students would throw away like desks, sofas like really nice things i was like oh my word because they couldn't they didn't have enough room in their car to take it home or i mean i don't know how they got it there but maybe they purchased it afterwards and um just stuff would get thrown in the dumpster and sometimes we'd see people from the community come come get it because it's nice things but yeah yeah it's i worked at the um worked at the um, a university, and I worked in student life, and Brenda Salter-McNeil, she's a thought leader on racial reconciliation and a lot of things, and I thought it was called the race race, but some people call it the privilege walk, where um, she drew, like, uh, you know, a line with tape in the middle of a multi-purpose room, and I had, like, I don't know, there's probably 75 people there in our student life department and all the departments it covered, and we all stood at this line of masking tape, the starting line. And then she asked a series of questions. And depending on the questions and your answer, she'll say, take a step or two steps forward, one or two steps back. And so, you know, she started, I had no idea what, you know, this was about. And she didn't tell us really. And at the front of the room was a uh, basket filled with candy to show the treasures and what you win because you made it to the front. And um, so, for example, one was, you know, um, it could be a name, but did you ever attend a, a Christian camp or a summer camp? Take a step forward or take a step back. And I hadn't because I couldn't afford to do it. And so, you know, take, I took a step back. Um, do you have a high school education or did you, do you have a bachelor's degree? And um, were you ever put down for being a woman or told to stay in your place? And, you know, are you an ethnic minority? And so she would ask all these questions. And by the end, um, it was me, my friend, who's actually an African-American. She's a juvenile justice judge, um, a magistrate, you know, but me and her are uh, now she is. But we were in the back with one other person. Um, I never made it in front of the starting line. I just went backwards almost the whole time. Wow. And that at the end, she told us was to show our privilege. So it wasn't really till I was there that I'm like, even though I finished my college degree, I have an MDiv, you know, for my school, Northeastern Seminary, I thought I was doing well, but people had all these other, um, you know, people use the word privileges, but blessings, you might want to call them that I didn't realize I didn't have. And I can never really catch up as far as status in society goes. Hmm. And so that's the way of the world. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, Marlene, I feel like we need to have you back. Our time is up, but there's just too much to, to get into here when it comes to the paradoxes that Jesus lines up for us. Um, you know, the, you know, the foolish to shame the wise just is, the, is yeah. the one I think of. And just the way, you know, he who wants to save his life has to lose it. I mean, there's so much more we can get into, but uh, as I said, the, 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 Radio clock calls and we must obey. So Marlena right. Graves, yeah. yeah. What John, you want to say something before we take but, out? But Marlena, we don't want to leave. You know, we don't want to leave it hanging. So you know, in this particular time we're living in, all these, you know, all that privilege, all this conversation is coalescing now. And you're commenting commenting on this at the right place in time, are you not? Well, you know, the Lord has a way of doing things. I started writing it a couple of years ago, and here we are. Wow, we are indeed. That's wonderful. Okay, so look, let's make a date, a future date. Yeah. Please come back and join us soon. Oh, thank you. I'd love to. Thank you both. Sure. Thank That's Mar- Marlena Graves, the author of the brand new book, The Way Up is Down. John, you want to show that? I want to hold it yeah, up? Yeah, sure. Okay, it's he's beautiful. holding it up. It's a really beautiful cover. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the Way Up is Down, Finding Yourself by Forgetting Yourself. Marlena Graves, look her up online. All right, we got much more coming up next. We'll talk about Scrabble traditionalists. They're getting mad about online people playing Scrabble. Is that really a thing? We'll talk about it next. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by July 31st, and you'll save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have, and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit sebgorka.com and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office, and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. 
at StockFamilyDentistry.com. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. There's a severe thunderstorm watch 378 in effect throughout this evening. Otherwise, for tonight, a severe thunderstorm early in the evening. Partly cloudy and humid. Storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds with a low 71. Tomorrow, a shower or thunderstorm in the morning. Otherwise, humid with intervals of clouds and sun and a high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Are you a gamer app? You have uh, apps that you have, you know, things you play? I don't have one game. Nothing. Nothing Nothing, at all. Nothing. See, you would would strike me as someone who would have like the Scrabble app. Yeah, I like a game, but I am, I think I'm afraid of myself. What do you mean? Oh, that you would get sucked into it? It's kind of like alcohol. You know what I mean? Right. I don't drink simply because I have a history of alcoholism in my family and I just don't trust myself. That's just what it is. So if I had that kind of stuff on my phone, I'd become useless, be like, like, more useless than I already am. <laughs> my wife has a Sudoku. Oh, She's yeah. Sudoku I, app. Wait, on. I bet that game would, would be good for my brain. Do you know why? Yeah. yeah. Because I hate it. Oh, she loves it. I'm See, I hate that. I hate yeah. that game. I hate everything about it. It's It makes me very tense. Me too. I'm, so I'm not probably, going near it. But probably my, be helpful for me. Like sometimes like, you know, after dinner, you know, I'll say uh, I'm going to clean up and and then, like in the next room, I hear her go, "Yeehaw!" I got high, and she's like all excited. She's like yelling and stuff. <laughs> That's Rhonda. That's so funny. <laughs> no, yeah. she's like yelling because <laughs> she, she got a high score. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I know exactly what that is. That's Rhonda June yelling out. Anyway, um, I bring this up because uh, Scrabble, which has been a hugely popular app, now all of a sudden has fallen into despair. Uh, the, one of the hottest new mobile games is from the Wall Street Journal has falling tiles, sparkling jewels, a chat function where players can get to know one another. That game is Scrabble. It's called Scrabble Go. It was uh, created last month, premiered last month, when its red and tan decade-old predecessor was decommissioned. Mm. So people have gone online and said, listen to this. It's an obscenity, says Josh Burnoff, a 61-year-old business author. It's like being inside the small intestines of a unicorn that just ate a bunch of rainbow Skittles. <laughs> okay, well, that's vivid. <laughs> kind of harsh, all right? Scrabble Go has spawned thousands of one-star reviews on Google Play and the App Store, seizure-inducing, people are saying. Facebook pages like Scrabble Go Away and Reddit threads on how to reverse engineer old devices to deplay the now-defunct app on offline. Wow. So there's many, many complaints about Scrabble Go, but um, it's gone forever, apparently, because it used to be produced by Electronic Arts, EA, which is a gigantic gaming uh, company. But now that agreement's long since passed, and there's a new developer, something called Scopy, and they develop the uh, Looney Tunes, World of Mayhem, the Walking Dead app, Road to Survival. So brand new company, brand new look. And what they've done is alienated many older players in a bid for younger players. Listen, I got to tell you, I have no I, I like horse in this race because I'm I'm not into Scrabble online. Yeah. But 
I find the, uh, maybe this makes me sound like aged or something. I don't know, but I like the class. I like classic everything, but classic maroon and gold. That's yeah. the way to go. I can't stand anything that looks like has like the Skittle color profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an obscenity. It's like being inside the small intestines of a <laughs> unicorn that just ate a bunch of rainbow Skittles. So I mean, that's fun. pretty harsh. Right now, do you like yourself a game of like, you know, regular Scrabble? Scrabble? I like Scrabble. You know what game I really like? Yeah. Boggle. Oh, I like a game of Boggle. Yeah. Do you know Boggle? Remember yeah. the little shaky was sure, like the yeah. square thing and then all the little, you know, letters fell into their little mm-hmm. squares and then you had to come up with them. I like yeah, yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, uh, friends you're of mine. You're very good at Scrabble, aren't you, John? I do. I, I'm yeah, okay I think with, you're very yeah. good at that game. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, you know, it gets, like any it's game, fine. it get, get a little contentious. Oh, right? oh. <laughs> I know how you are. When we play with our kids, we play with our kids, yeah. you know, you know you're, all of a sudden they're, they're like their turn takes like 45 minutes. Isn't that, listen, you know what the worst is? Clue. Oh my gosh. And, and then as the dad. bearable. I cannot do that game. I'm getting like, hey, can we mm-hmm. hurry this up a little bit? And then like it gets a little tense and it's like a night of fun quickly devolves right. into right. tears. Listen, and, you know, I have, predicated I have on a me. daughter, daughter of my own flesh and blood mm. who twice, twice fell asleep in clue oh see yeah it's time so to when, wrap it, so up when, when it came time for her turn we realized that she was not awake <laughs> okay we need to step away speaking of uh, kath and her predilection uh for staying away from the games because of addiction issues we're going to talk about addiction in just a few minutes stick around it's the ride home with john and kathy here on word fm You have felt the excitement of a big event drawing near, perhaps a wedding or the birth of a child. But how eager are you for a future event that is just as certain and far more magnificent? John MacArthur helps heighten your anticipation for Christ's return in his series titled, Jesus is Coming, this week on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, If SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, 
your jewelers for life. Can an evening of inspiration and music really save the lives of families in the Caribbean and Latin America? Experts report that starvation might soon become famine in many of the communities where access to food has been cut off. Join Food for the Poor Thursday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern for a virtual national celebration, We Are One. You'll experience the power of unity to save the lives of families impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. RSVP today for this free event at foodforthepoor.com forward slash one. Foodforthepoor.com forward slash O-N-E. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains, but never stock market losses? Join Mike Badalini for the Retirement and Income Radio Show, Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. here on WORD. You can also call Mike Badalini now for your complimentary customized retirement and income kit and 115-page retirement and income book at 844-449-SAFE. That's 844-449-723. As the pandemic drags on and many of us are still in isolation, I often wonder about uh, those who are addicted, the addict, the alcoholic among us. And what is that like? I mean, it's a rich opportunity to delve into your demons. So I've been thinking about that and wanted to invite Timothy King, who is with us. He is um, the owner of Vagabond Consulting, a consultant for the Center for Action and Contemplation. His work has been published in CT and Sojourners. Tim writes and speaks of addiction often. And Tim, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, always glad to welcome you back, especially at a time like this. Looking at an article in the New York Times, uh, this came out just a couple days ago. It said nearly 72,000 Americans died from drug overdoses last year, according to preliminary data released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an increase of 5% from 2018. Deaths from drug overdoses remain higher than the peak yearly death totals ever recorded for car accidents, guns, or AIDS, and their acceleration in recent years has pushed down overall life expectancy in the U.S., and that was before COVID. What do you say? It is tragic what we're seeing with COVID right now, and at the same time, we know that these different factors, whether it is stress from all of the changes in family life or trying to juggle having kids home, or if it's economic stress from losing a job, or it's maybe it's isolation from those you love, or even simply being out of your daily routine. All of these things are going to contribute to addiction and overdoses as people are using drugs and they're isolated from others. It while we hope that people aren't using IV heroin or fentanyl or Dilaudid, as soon as people are using it on their own, it becomes that much more dangerous. And we're going to see this rise in overdoses. Mm-hmm. Over 30 states have already reported this year an increase on those, what, those increases we saw the year before. And so this is harmful for those who had already been in the midst of their struggle. But this is also going to mean a whole new wave of people who are becoming addicted and might not even realize that they're in the midst of that process. Right. So I often wonder about this, Tim, because, you know, now that everybody's isolated, it's easier in some ways to hide your addiction, right? I mean, if you're not showing up at the office and you're not bleary-eyed or, you know, just kind of out of, out of your mind and you're at home doing your work, well, yeah, man, I'll, I'll just, you know, continue on this road of destruction. But I wonder about this, you know, uh, 
recently I went to the doctors and I had to fill a prescription. When I went to the pharmacist, man, they grilled me and they were like, you know, what are you taking? What's going on? So this opioid thing in many ways, you know, over the counter, that, that, that mill, that pill mill that used to exist in many ways, uh, for many good reasons, has been shut down. So people are shifting gears and having to find their hit someplace else. Yeah. Yes. And that's one of the dangerous things is while it's not good, if someone is uh, addicted to a prescription medication, it becomes that much more dangerous if they're going outside and they're looking to the streets or, and they're getting their drugs from a drug dealer because that pharmacist knows exactly how much they're giving you and you can know how much you're taking. But when you're going to a drug dealer on the street, you don't know what's in that batch. Mm-hmm. And you might be fine week after week. And then if there was someone somewhere along that line put in a little bit more fentanyl than they normally do, that could be the difference between life and death. And as you brought up, the change in rhythm in a person's life, we think about those who are on the streets using drugs, but we also need to think about who's that highly successful professional. Who's that person who has had everything together They've kept it together, and every day they went home, and as soon as they went home, it was 6 o'clock, they were pouring themselves a drink. Right Right now, that might mean they're starting at 5, or maybe they're starting at 4, or maybe they aren't stopping at all, and they're starting as soon as they wake up. These are folks who might have had things together. We might not have seen how alcohol was affecting their lives, but now with this thrown-off schedule and additional stress, you can have a lot of people who had kind of kept it together. They had been what was often called a highly functional, a functional alcoholic. And the, this moment could be that tipping point where things start to descend even more. Addiction isn't a binary. It's a progressive condition. So you can start off in a place where alcohol doesn't have a significantly negative effect. Maybe you're just waking up regularly with a hangover. And then it gets to the point where it's really causing serious relational issues and health problems. Right. Now, I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, as you think of people sequestered in their homes and then the secret addiction takes hold, then those around them, whether it's their wives or their children, they're suffering abuse as well, whether it's psychological or physical abuse. And that is starting a whole other cycle because we also know that one of the greatest predictors for whether or not someone uh, is likely to become addicted is trauma. And trauma is, I I like to think of trauma is the ultimate gateway drug to addiction. It's not just other substances. It's those traumatic things that can happen in our lives. If your audience has ever heard of the ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, for every additional point you have on that ACE score, whether that is another person struggling with addiction in your family, whether that's abuse or other traumatic things, even simply moving a lot, the stress of that can be an adverse childhood experience that can significantly increase the likelihood of an addictive pattern and behavior later in life. Timothy King is with us, owner of Vagabond Consulting and a consultant for the Center for Action and Contemplation. Uh, Timothy, talk about... where people can go. That's, I think, one of the most challenging things is because none of us can go anywhere. <laughs> so if someone is listening to this and they think, wait, no, wait, that is me. You know, I start, you know, I, I used to just, you know, have a drink at 7.30 at night and now I'm having a drink at 4.30 or 10.30 in the morning or whatever. And they think, okay, this, I need to do something about this. What do they do? 
Well, I will give uh, first a shameless plug of you can always check out my book, Addiction Nation, What the Opioid Crisis Reveals About Us. I wrote that book as a way to help people understand addiction, not just from the most dramatic experiences. And I've shared my story with your audience before. I did not have a terrible downward spiral. I didn't end up in, in jail. I didn't end up in prison. I didn't end up in trouble with the law. My addiction was recognized early and it was treated early. And that made all the difference in my life. And so I would hope that others can find those stories and connect with those resources that help you understand you don't need to wait for things to get bad to ask that question. What is this substance role in my life? What is this behavior's role in my life? And as Paul taught us to ask, we, we need to go into what are the things that are driving me to do that which I don't want to do? And what's getting in the way of me doing that which I want to do? That's a fundamental question we can ask ourselves. And when we identify those areas, that can be a helpful step. One other great resource is if people just type into Google um, the drinker's checkup, that's a great online source where you can ask some questions about the role of alcohol in your own life and be connected with professionals who can help you figure out what the right next step is for you to make sure that that, that relationship isn't damaging. Fabulous. Tim, thanks an awful lot. We always appreciate your time here, your expertise, uh, the honesty of your own story. Uh, you're welcome back here to the show anytime. Thanks again. Thanks so much for having me and for covering this important topic. Thank you. Yeah. Our pleasure. Tim King, owner of Vagabond Consulting. We've been talking about addiction, opioid addiction, alcoholism in the era of COVID-19. Hey, John, let me mention the name of his book again. Uh, Tim King's book is called Addiction Nation. Addic- addiction Nation. You can find it online. Very nice. Take a break. Come back. We're going to talk about uh, the NFL and a guy who stockpiled for years NFL trademarks. He's got a big blowback. And so now he's going no moss. You can have it for free. Talk about that in a few minutes. The Washington Redskins and soon to be named whatever. So I was doing yard work the other day, leaning over a prickly bush, holding a heavy pair of electric hedge trimmers, sweat dripping off of me and thinking to myself, self, how is it that we've come to loving yard work so much? I think the answer is, aside from being outside in God's handiwork, we love yard work because we love the immediate results and the feeling we get when the job is done. It's Ryan, and at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, helping you with a refinance or cash-out refinance is similar. A lot of people don't want to do it because they don't want the short-term sweat. But when you consider that rates are historically low, and when you consider that our company has a direct lender advantage, getting to use its own money within its own walls, and how that often leads to a better rate and monthly savings for you, the end feeling could definitely be worth it. Plus, we'll do most of the hard work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. XL Home Care can provide a warm, family-like environment with an XL caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950, Excel Home Care, a help-at-home company. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. 
for roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company, and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Eager to continue your theological learning or engage more deeply with Scripture? Enroll as a non-degree or certificate student and take Greek, Hebrew, or other courses online this fall at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Application deadline is July 30th. Visit pts.edu. We are welcoming patients back, and we're happy to do so. Although we can't give the normal hugs or handshakes that they might be used to, the same exceptional dentistry, the same compassionate care is still there. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. So the Washington Redskins are going to abandon the name they've had since the 1920s. Now, there's a guy, uh, Martin McCauley, who is a fan of the Redskins. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's actually an actuary and uh, lives in the D.C. area, has been a big fan of the team for many years, like, you know, a lot of us, you know, supporting your team. But years ago, he started to claim trademarks just picking them up. He said over the years, he spent about $20,000 registering trademark names. Uh, nobody batted an eye. I mean, the Washington Americans, the Washington Veterans, the Washington Pandas, the Washington Monuments among them. Now, none of those teams exist, but he just grabbed those names in the anticipation that this day would come. Now, since this day finally has come, he has become known as the holder of these these names, these trademark names, and he's been involved in a huge online blowback. I mean, people have likened him to the Costco toilet paper holders during the pandemic. Another said that he should be banned from all NFL games. Somebody else offered to punch him. So he's now said, okay, I'm going to give any of these trademark names to the Redskins, those teams, that team, if they would like to use them, I'm just want to divest themselves. It has become an albatross around my neck. Why? Because the Redskins are so short on cash that they can't pay it. Well, I think because he's been become a bad guy, right? Online. So what's the mob? So the mob has come for him. That's yes, why the mob has come for him. Mm-hmm. So he wants to be a good citizen and said, I'm sorry. I'd be happy just to do whatever well, I can do. It's kind of a jag move, but he was smarter than everybody. So he's a business guy, right? It's not like the Redskins are hurting. No. So if what they if they want to call themselves the Washington Pandas, which would be stupid, but okay, yeah. if they want to call themselves Washington Pandas, so pay up. Right. What's the big deal? It's kind of like Lady A. It's yeah, right. Same Lady sort of A. thing. I mean, the name is up for grabs, and somebody you know somebody already owned it. Somebody had it, so you pay a fee. You know, I don't know. Just this is America. This is Mike, how the system works, right? Mike, remember just the other day you looked. I can't think of who the owner of the Redskins is. Why, Daniel Daniel Snyder? Snyder. Yeah, right, right. It. it just came to me as I was saying I didn't remember it. Then I did. Daniel Snyder is loaded. Okay, loaded. He can for sure pay off some guy who was smart enough to buy a trademark. I don't know. I Come guess on. you know people get mad. You know. Come on. 
the uh, what what would that be? The Washington Monuments. That's a that's, bad. That's kind of dumb. The Washington Warriors. The Warriors is the is the front runner right now. The Washington Warriors. How about the Washington? I don't know. Like, the Smithsonian's. That's stupid. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Florida is reporting a new single-day high mark of 156 coronavirus deaths. The state continues to experience a swift rise in cases. Officials in the hard-hit Miami area weighing another blanket lockdown. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson has issued an order requiring people to wear masks in public throughout the state, which is dealing with a surge in cases. The Republican governor issued the order today after weeks of resisting such a requirement. The U.S., Canada, and Mexico have agreed to keep their shared borders closed to non-essential traffic until at least late August. That's because of COVID-19. Wall Street finishing lower after mixed reports on the economy highlighted its uncertain path. The Dow lost 135 points today. The Nasdaq was off 76. The S&P 500 down 11. This is SRN News. More than 2 million people fleeing the Syrian civil war have taken refuge in the tiny country of Lebanon. Walking through their camps, you might be surprised to hear this. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Children from a Muslim culture reciting Bible verses? Yes, in the midst of a critical, unstable situation, God is saving and changing the hearts of these children and their families through heart for Lebanon. Right now, you can make sure families get emergency supplies and the hope of the gospel they so desperately need. An investment of $116 helps two families for the next 60 days. But with over a thousand families on a waiting list, we hope you'll be as generous as you can. Click the Crisis in Lebanon banner at wordfm.com or call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, we're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow Towels, Roll and Go Anywhere Pillows, Duvet Covers, Giza Pillowcase, Bolster Pillows, and Neck Pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. Be sure to use promo code word. My pillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with a global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. 
Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. There's a severe thunderstorm watch 378 in effect throughout this evening. Otherwise, for tonight, a severe thunderstorm early in the evening. Partly cloudy and humid, storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds with a low 71. Tomorrow, a shower thunderstorm in the morning. Otherwise, humid with intervals of clouds and sun and a high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the uh, Thursday edition this July 16th of the uh, the pandemic. Kath, good to see you as well. It was a very interesting 4 o'clock hour. Oh, sure. Really was a good four o'clock hour. Yeah. If you missed some of it, we encourage you to find our podcast where you find all the rest of your podcasts mm-hmm. um, because it is available in all of those places. Um, you can connect with us video wise if you'd like to watch the show on Facebook, The Ride Home with Johnny Kathy, or 101.5 Word of Him. Very nice. So, this is a big day uh, in Pittsburgh sports history, a day that I remember very, very well. On this date, July 16th, 1970, was the inauguration of Three Rivers Stadium. 50 years ago today, Three Rivers Stadium. Wow. Uh, I remember being a kid. I did not attend the first game, but I watched it, all the proceedings, and it was like this, as you might imagine, a gigantic media event. So, you know, all the local mm-hmm. newscasts were, you know, all Three Rivers Stadium all the time. And then the Pirates, they lifted their blackout, blackout for one day only. And the game itself was televised on local television because the game was sold out. Really? Wow. Yeah. The Bucks lost uh, 3-2 to the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. So this would have been in the, you know, after the All-Star break. So the, they play the first half of their season at Forbes Field? That's right. Yep, and then they came to Three Rivers Stadium. And also on this date, the Pirates ushered in a new era in sports fashion. The Pirates were the first team to have those form-fitting double-knit uniforms. Remember those? Really? Oh, yeah. Before that, they were wearing, you know, the flannel grays, the little baggy things. Then all of a sudden, boom, these were, you know. And I I remember uh, hearing a conversation with Willie Stargell. He said, everybody on that team was very thin. They looked good. He said, Willie said, later on, I got a little chunky, but that that was just, you know. Oh, we loved Willie just the way he was. Yeah. Was fine. Richie Hebner got the first hit at Three Rivers Stadium. Okay. And of course, I mean, some of my best memories as a sports fan. And I bet yours as well, Kath, were at, well, you didn't go. We're at Three Rivers Stadium. Yeah. I love Three Rivers Stadium. I don't have I so any, many good times. I don't have any, I don't have one what? good time at Three Rivers Stadium. Oh my gosh. Not I mean, one. I, 
at, off the top of my head, I could go boom, boom, boom. I remember this. That's I remember so that. awesome. So many things. I mean, I went to both World Series, 71 and 79 mm-hmm. World Series. Um, I did not see, like, the, I saw the Steelers play there many times. Okay. Steelers, Steelers win and lose. Of course, the Immaculate Reception. I wish I had seen that. But, I mean, it was a really weird stadium. You know, it was that era it of was. multi-purpose stadiums. And to think that it only lasted, you know, what lasted 30 years. You know, PNC Park has been around for 20 years, and PNC Park still looks great. It sure does. PNC oh Park's going to be around, I hope, for another 50 years or more. I right? agree. I don't know. Three River Stadium, to me, I mean. I loved it. Obviously, we had the Super Bowls there, but I was a really little kid then. And so, I just, I, I never. I never went to games. Really? I never, never did. had an affinity for it. No, I never did. And, you know, the only reason I go to baseball games now is because you're the one who talked me into it years ago. God bless ago. you, yeah. Here's the weird thing about the River Stadium. When it, when it was first constructed, the seating capacity was at 50,000 people. Is 50,500. Right? Wow. At its peak, 58,000 people could fit in there for baseball. For football, 59,600 could fit in there for football. Isn't that weird? They and found Heinz, extra what's space. What's Field? Like 65, maybe? I don't know what it is. No. It's something around there, I would yeah. think. Uh, my uncle, my uncle Ed, was a, a charter member of uh, the Allegheny Club. Yep. My dad was oh my a member gosh. also. When my dad would... would we, Thank you. 68-4. We would go as a kid to the Allegheny Club. I thought... I, I, so I mean, did I. I thought this is what the elite do oh this was like the ultimate in grown-up so, splendor i listen i was so into it oh my gosh and they had so much so many cool first of all that was a cool space visually yeah, sure to be was. inside and to look out at the stadium it really was and they had so much cool sports memorabilia inside yep i loved it did you ever see any concerts at three rivers yes oh yeah mm-hmm. i saw my very favorite concert i saw youtube the joshua tree oh River stadium. yeah of course yeah yep fabulous was absolutely awesome. Uh-huh. I saw. I've seen a bunch of good concerts there, but that's at the that's at the top of my list. Yeah. Well, how about Pitt? The Panthers used to play there, right? No, Pitt played in Pitt Stadium. No, they played the River Stadium on multiple occasions. Hmm. Yeah, for like uh, a special event or something. Yeah, from way back, like you know, 1974, they played Penn State. I think mostly were like you know they were doing like the big regional games, Penn State, West Virginia. Sometimes Boston College would go in there. I wonder would why have, would they would do that? I mean, the the capacity of Pitt Stadium was more than three. Yeah, rivers. I don't know why. Yeah, multiple occasions. Uh, they played their full home schedule there for the 2000 season. Uh, the Panthers won seven and four, so it's just one of those things. I mean, whenever they whenever they blew Three River Stadium up, I felt bad. Like it was yeah. like a little piece of you gone mm-hmm. forever. Anyway, yeah, I remember that day. I remember being up on Mount Washington. Oh, um, were you there to see it from? Yeah, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but it wasn't because Three River Stadium was so, you know, I had a special place in my heart. It was just that it was going to be so cool to see it come down. Just yeah. because, like, how does somebody do that? No, but, it's cool. But 50 years ago today, I mean, that's a terrific thing to celebrate. And with all the memories that, I mean, oh. tons of Pittsburghers have there. I mean, man, oh, man. oh my gosh. I was thinking, though, fast forwarding to ha- really happy times in baseball. I was thinking of the unbelievably good times, John, you and I had at PNC Park in 2012 and 2013. Yeah. Man. I mean, when the Pirates were good <sighs> and life seemed optimistic and baseball was back and I was sucked in and I just loved the game. I've just, 
I don't know. It makes me sad to think back on those days. It really does. <laughs> I hate to be like Debbie Downer, but yeah, that's geez. how it is. You know, if you're a pirate fan, you have to be prepared to suffer. That's just how it is. Because I mean, so how about this? Let me just since we're, since we're suffering a little bit, and I know we yep. have to get to a break. But so Chris Archer, of course, out for the season and probably forever as a yep. Pittsburgh Pirate, and Keone Kella is nowhere. We assume he's ill, but we're not sure because they, they won't release anything. I mean, do we have enough pitchers to have the season? Well, it's not really a season. It's 60 games, right? Do we have enough pitchers to have 60 games? Maybe. I mean, okay. does it really matter? Look at yes, the Pirates. Yes, it gonna, matters. No, it doesn't matter. Of course this it matters. Not really, uh, this is not really a baseball oh, season. Oh, come on. Don't it isn't. Even... It's not. It's 60 games. Oh, no, here we go. Come on. I'm sorry. It is it's a just this weird season. asterisk thing. What it is, it's a pandemic season. Believe me, when they come back, I'll be happy to see some baseball. But it's, it's a weird thing. It's an anomaly. You can't I call thought... it a season. Thought I was I'm happy to see it. it. Okay, That's great. All. Yeah, you don't sound very happy. No, well, you bring it up. So right, we're going to step away. But coming up next, our good friend Dr. Todd Allen, Vice President for Diversity Affairs and Professor of Communication at Messiah College. He's going to be talking about this new position in a lot of companies, diversity officer, and why people stay in it for just a really short period of time. That's next on today's ride home. WORD. According to the Apostle John, unconstrained love can become dangerous. Ahead from Chuck Swindoll. Charles Rory was right when he said love is like a river and it flows between the banks of truth and discernment. However, when it floods and leaves those banks, it becomes a dangerous thing. Join us when Chuck Swindoll helps us understand the beauty and boundaries of love. Weekdays on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. I love golf, and I also stink at golf. I've tried it all, the lessons, the special swing contraptions, the neon brush tees, the funny hats, the putting all of my change in my left pocket. I like to say I just happen to have a high golf handicap. My friends would say I have a high talent disadvantage. Luckily, while I might be fighting some disadvantages on the golf course, at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're lucky to be able to serve listeners with a unique advantage. Our team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. And for you, that can mean shorter turnaround times and often a lower rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money on a new home, refinance, or cash out refinance. We 
are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Mill Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. When it comes to your child's education, do you feel like you have a partner in your current school? Or is it more like you're on your own? As you look ahead to next year, now's a perfect time to consider a quality Christian education with a school who will be a true educational partner for you and your family. Many of our area's finest Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Champion Christian School in Champion, PA. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Todd Allen is with us. Todd is Vice President for Diversity Affairs, Professor of Communications at Messiah College. Todd's also founder of the Common Ground Project. It's a nonprofit dedicated to teaching the history of the civil rights movement. He's also a lecturer and a guest on our show here. Happy to have him back. Todd, thanks for coming along today. How are you? Good. Good to be with you. I have one little correction. We are, we are now Messiah University. Oh. Whoa. Congratulations to that. Todd, Stepping there, up. There, Todd, there's so many things yeah. changing I can't keep up. <laughs> Effective July one. Very nice. Okay. Well, we want to we want to congratulate you publicly on your new position at Messiah University, Vice President for Diversity Affairs. Um, we, it is more than well deserved, um, based on what you've done in the past, how you've written, how you've spoken and carried yourself. Um, so we just again appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you both. Good to be with you. Yeah. Okay, Todd. So you posted an interesting piece a couple of days ago. It might have been a couple of weeks ago. I lose track of time in the COVID-19 era. But it was an article <laughs> from the Wall Street Journal on one of the hottest jobs in America that also has a revolving door. And it's the fact that U.S. companies are rushing to hire chief diversity officers. So first off, talk about why it's so important. Second of all, why do people stay in the job for such a short period of time? Well, again, I, you know, I think there, there are many reasons that it's so important. Um, you know, we talk about the, uh, the workforce, the, the, the face of the workforce is changing. Uh, it is more diverse. Uh, we have people from a variety of backgrounds uh, and perspectives. And, uh, you know, I often say uh, when, when we were kids, uh, we somehow knew how to play nice with one another. Uh, it's when we got a little older that we've lost some of those, those lessons in playing nice. That's why we have HR offices and diversity officers and, and, and whatnot. But it's not just a matter of, of, of compliance. Uh, it's really uh, a matter of how can businesses uh, create spaces in which uh, their employees can, can thrive, uh, in which the business can flourish. I mean, it's just good business sense, right? Yeah. So, Todd, is this a generational thing? You know, I mean, you look at kids in college or, you know, even younger, uh, they're more in tuned, are they, with diversity as opposed to, you know, somebody like me, I'm in my 60s. I mean, is this something, a lesson that has to be taught? I wouldn't say that it's, uh, that it's, a, it's a generational thing. I mean, I think uh, there are increasing conversations uh, down through the years um, on, on uh, you know, what we now call diversity or, or inclusion. Um, you know, so maybe the name, the labeling uh, of it has changed. But I think as long as there have been different people uh, on this earth, uh, there's been an importance uh, of needing to learn uh, how to work uh, uh, more effectively uh, with one another. 
Dr. Todd Allen with us, Vice President for Diversity Affairs and Professor of Communication at Messiah University. Todd, let me go back to the Wall Street Journal piece for a minute. Um, This is uh, the piece by Chip Cutter and Lauren Weber, and um, they write this, that there's high turnover in this position, with many in this position, uh, leaving Mm -hmm. over lack of resources, unrealistic expectations, and (laughs) inadequate support from senior executives. Now, I can only imagine that position that is new like this is fraught with all sorts of uncertainties. Um, But from your position, maybe talk about how you could see that unfolding in a company with their expectations that aren't met and people coming into a new position that are like, wait, no one seems to be on my side. Well, you know, when you when you create positions like this in in a company or an organization or, or university, for that matter, um, you can't just do it because it's the popular thing to do. You can't do it because it's the trendy thing to do or, or the most recent fad. Uh, you have literally got to be all in. And being all in uh, means having an institutional organizational commitment. Um, it's got to be grounded in your mission, vision, and values. Um, that's going to be reflected as well uh, in how you resource uh, initiatives such as this. Uh, in fact, if we look at anything that an organization does, uh, I know often people say, well, look at their budget. That'll tell you what their priorities are. You know, look at how we distribute resources. And so, you know, when I read that Wall Street Journal article, I, I have uh, many friends uh, in this field who say the same thing, that I went into this because the rhetoric sounded nice. Uh, it seemed very promising and hopeful. Uh, you know, they may have even had a strategic plan uh, in place. But then when I got there, I realized I did not have the support. Leadership was not committed. Uh, resources were not given, and both in the forms of financial and human resources. And so then it becomes frustrating because it's more lip service. Uh, and sometimes, you know, organizations can find themselves doing more harm than good, uh, you know, if they decide, well, we're just going to get on the bandwagon. You know, it's kind of like getting in the pool. You've got to go all the way in. You can't just dip a toe in. Right. So then what is this going to look like? I mean, is this driven first by corporate America and then, you know, universities or nonprofits will pick this up? I mean, is it is it a money thing first and then the rest of society will follow through? Well, you know, again, I, I you know, I, I, I see most of these efforts, you know, if I look at the corporate side, let's say, uh, yeah. coming out of the human resources uh, arena. And so, you know, if you just trace the conversation, why do companies uh, have human resource departments? Uh, yeah, part of that is is for compliance, uh, but also part of that is for professional development and growth. Uh, we know that if people feel valued and appreciated uh, in their workplace, they're going to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And if they're more productive, then the company is more productive, right? People are going to want to come there uh, to be employed, uh, you know, at that place and, and, and everyone thrives. Uh, and I think diversity is the, is, the, is the same thing. Again, like I said, the face of the workforce uh, is changing in terms of ethnic composition, in terms of gender. Uh, and companies, a lot of companies and a lot of colleges and universities uh, are actually still playing catch up uh, as far as, as that conversation is concerned. And if you don't, you know, if you aren't investing in, in initiatives uh, such as this, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. Todd, what do you say to people listening to the program and they're like, oh, no, you know, ahead of diversity affairs, this is just another, you know, attempt to be as progressive as possible. But this is a person who's not really actually going to do anything. Well, you know, uh, I think the reality of that article is there's some instances where that is the case. Um, you know, I don't think anyone can make a blanket judgment to just when I, you know, when I see, oh, here's a 
chief diversity officer or VP of diversity affairs, and it means this. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the issues right there is the fact that people are, rather than gather facts, will often just jump to uh, assumptions or perceptions or false perceptions, uh, which is why like I, said, I think it's so important for any uh, entity that uh, that is moving in this direction, and I think everybody ought to be moving in this in this direction, yeah. to, to be quite honest. But again, it's got to be rooted and grounded in your core vision, mission, and values. Uh, I mean, I was meeting with, uh, been having a lot of conversations lately with a number of churches, uh, predominantly white churches, and predominantly white leadership in these churches. Uh, some of these churches are having uh, increasing uh, ethnic diversity uh, in their congregations, mm-hmm. uh, but their leadership structures and their policies and practices have not caught up or reflected this diversity. And so they're wondering, you know, what are some things that we can do? I'm not saying now that churches need to go off and form, you know, chief diversity offices or, or things of that nature. Uh, but it is important that we are engaging uh, in, in the critical conversations of uh, what it means to create uh, spaces that are more reflective uh, of the kingdom uh, and more welcoming uh, and inviting uh, to others. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, corporate America uh, can be much more welcoming and inviting, uh, and they may not have all the, the right reason uh, than sometimes that the, the church or the Christian community is. Mm-hmm. Right. So here we are, Todd. I mean, you know, since the death of George Floyd, the nation really has paused. And I believe that there is, of course, change underfoot. I was, you know, reading um, on your page the other day, you know, the, the idea that the, um, the conversation has turned to Black Lives Matter. And, of course, uh, for a lot of people, that is, um, that is fraught with all sorts of racial overtones. And, and you said, well, you know, as a response to Black Lives Matter, uh, politics notwithstanding, maybe it would be more important if you said black people matter. Talk about that, about, you know, the verbiage and how we choose to look at each other in these times. Well, again, you know, uh, I, I, I hear people say, well, uh, you know, I've got a problem maybe with the organization uh, Black Lives Matter or, or what their philosophical standpoint is. Uh, but then sometimes I've found even when I've drilled down on that, they don't really know. Um, first of all, it's not an organization. It's actually multiple organizations. Uh, and then, you know, of course, sometimes you get that retort uh, that people say, well, all lives matter or blue yeah. lives matter. Uh, and I'm left to wonder, well, it doesn't seem like the problem that you had was with the lives and the mattering. The problem that you had was with the black. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, that just as a, a nation, again, uh, uh, I, I, I do see signs of encouragement in this, in this current moment, um, but that we must continue uh, and, and, and have some conversations about race that we're just not comfortable having and that historically as a nation we've, we've not had. So what does that look like? I mean, I, I hear that all the time, right? Yeah. That we should have this conversation. I mean, this conversation, you know, between you, Catherine, and notwithstanding, will there ever be space to have a national conversation? You know, I mean, how, what does that look like? I'd love for us to engage nationally in this. But who drives right. that? Who are the storytellers? You know, what's that narrative look like from a national perspective? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I look at an example of, of uh, you know, post-apartheid South Africa yeah. uh, with their Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now, again, uh, far from perfect, uh, there's still a lot of, of brokenness uh, in, the, you know, in a post-apartheid South Africa. Uh, it was a government-driven uh, initiative. 
but you know, had a, a, a clergyman, Bishop Tutu, Archbishop Tutu, uh, at the head of it. Uh, and I often wonder, uh, what would our country have been like, you know, 100, 150 years ago? Uh, had, you know, coming out of the Civil War, we had a true uh, Truth and Reconciliation yeah. uh, Commission. It's not yes. too late uh, for, for those conversations now, uh, but unfortunately, again, uh, people want to run from the truth. They want to say, well, I wasn't here then, and I didn't do this, and I didn't. And it's not about, you know, individually or individualistically uh, what one has done. It's about what we as a nation uh, have done and what we as a nation have not owned up to. Uh, and the church is, is even complicit uh, in that. Uh, I don't know that we'll see a national or a national effort, you know, coordinated uh, uh, by one entity. But I, I mean, I do uh, see lots of signs of hope of people of faith in particular uh, having these hard conversations. Uh, and that's just what it is. It's not, you know, like we're going to do this for three months We've solved it. Now let's move on. Right, right. Uh, this is an ongoing um, part of of, uh, of our living uh, and being uh, together. Yeah, Todd. In our remaining and not everybody's going to want to take lem- part. <laughs> Wait, say that again. I said not everyone's going to want to take part. Uh, yeah. You know, in that, uh, and so that that's another reason why this is a constant a constant work. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. We can't even agree on wearing a mask or not, so I can't imagine, you know, the national conversation about race. <laughs> hey, I was talking to a church group the other night in Virginia uh, that has a, a, a social justice, a social action committee at their church, and they said, well, you know, we've got 30 of us on here. We think we're pretty much in agreement. You know, what do we do next to get the rest of the church to agree? And I said, what's the last big purchase that your church made? And I think it was carpeting. I said, did everybody agree? On the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, lots of work to do. Yeah, right. Okay. So, Todd, that's a good point. I mean, we only have a couple minutes left, but not everybody is going to agree, but not everybody agrees on, on anything. You know, I, I think it was Esau Macaulay who was on a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the fact that a lot of Christians have marched against abortion with all sorts of people. There were Catholics marching with Protestants and marching with secularists or whatever because they thought, well, you know, we don't agree on everything, but we can certainly agree on this. I mean, shouldn't right. the race issue be the same? One, one, one would like to, to believe so, that, you know, that we can uh, value um, um, the humanity and dignity uh, of others, uh, um, seeing others as made uh, in the image uh, of God, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, there's this tricky thing called race that we've made up that really is a sin uh, issue, and, you know, and, 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 and people don't like grappling. Uh, oftentimes with uh, with sins, and so we call it everything but what it is. Right. I mean, to go back to Desmond Tutu, to Archbishop Tutu, I mean, there was someone who was a central figure in South African society. Or even, you know, you look at Nelson Mandela in the crimes against Nelson Mandela. I mean, they were they were core figures. And so that conversation with the church, I believe what you're saying, Todd, that the conversation has to start with us. If you're a lover of Jesus Christ, then the conversation needs to start here with us. 
So I'd love to well, see again, you how know, that I, looks, yeah, you know, from a know, national if, perspective as believers a, in Jesus. Who is that yeah. person or who is that group of people, white, black, or Asian, Native American, that we're going to have this conversation with? You know, that, I mean, uh, I know it's a big stretch. And, you know, look, you know, you go back to, we can put a man on the moon. Why can't we have this conversation? Right. Well, I tell people, you know, you, you don't have to sit around and wait for a, a national figure or a national organization sure. uh, to do this. Uh, you know, you can begin in your local congregation. Uh, if that's too big, you can begin on your block. If that's too big, you can begin in your house. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there are plenty of spaces. Um, and unfortunately, as we look around in, in the culture, plenty of teachable moments uh, that one can use to engage um, in, <laughs> yes. in this conversation. Uh, but those are only teachable moments if we allow them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, well Todd, uh, our, our time is up. And uh, let me just express on behalf of John and Mike and I, we're thrilled about you and your new gig and uh, really want to congratulate you on a terrific achievement. That's Dr. Todd Allen, VP for Diversity Affairs and Professor of Communication at Messiah University. Todd's also the founder of the Common Ground Project, which is a nonprofit dedicated to teaching the history of the civil rights movement. He also lectures on commemorative practices and all sorts of cool stuff and is kind enough to give his time to our show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, You're Todd. You're welcome here, Todd. Come back anytime. Thank you. See you soon. All right. God bless you. Take a break. Come back. Uh, There was an execution today here in the United States of America, the second in less than five days. Uh, It's a federal federal thing, right? The states aren't executing people, but the government, the federal government has. What do you think about the death penalty? Uh, Are you pro-death penalty? Are you pro-life? Should we as a nation be in the business of killing people? We'll talk about that and uh, many more things. Your conversation, your phone calls are welcome as we move uh, into that. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. The people in this movie share three things in common. They are courageous. They have had a life-changing experience. And they are black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it, when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware. A lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. The story that is changing hearts and minds and opening eyes. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. That's UncleTom.com, promo code Pittsburgh. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and are 
pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Excel Home Care will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard right. You can actually get paid to provide care for those you love. To learn more, contact Excel Home Care today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. XL Home Care, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. XL Home Care, a help at home company. Eager to continue your theological learning or engage more deeply with Scripture? Enroll as a non-degree or certificate student and take Greek, Hebrew, or other courses online this fall at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Application deadline is July 30th. Visit pts.edu. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus iHeart, tune in, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. There's a severe thunderstorm watch 378 in effect throughout this evening. Otherwise, for tonight, a severe thunderstorm early in the evening. Partly cloudy and humid, storms can bring flash flooding and damaging winds with a low 71. Tomorrow, a shower thunderstorm in the morning. Otherwise, humid with intervals of clouds and sun and a high 87. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Morning at 8.19 a.m., Wesley Ira Parker was put to death uh, for two murders he committed 20 years ago. On Monday, uh, a man by the name of Daniel Lewis Lee was put to death as well for uh, murders he committed 17 years ago. I don't want to go into the murders. They themselves, the nature of these murders, the acts that these men committed are so incredibly, deeply heinous. They describe... they. They are beyond uh, evil. I mean, truly they are. And that's one of the reasons why the federal government was so intent on, after a 17-year hiatus, uh, executing men. Because uh, in some ways, the federal government says this should be allowed as a deterrent to future crime. Now, I, I don't believe that that's, uh, that's even within the conversation. I don't believe when someone commits murders like this, they don't think, well, wait a second, I, I might be put to death for this. However, for the first time in many years, the government is now has a docket of men that they are willing to execute. Tomorrow is supposed to be another execution. Um, It brings up a host of questions about the death penalty Mm -hmm. and a pro-life perspective. Yeah. Now I I believe, you know, Kathy, you and I talked about this a little earlier. I believe as you know, you progress in your life, you see things one way. And as you grow older, hopefully in wisdom and in, in deeper belief in Christ, you see things another way. I, when I was a younger man in my 20s, I was certainly pro-death penalty, especially when you read about the things that these men have done. But becoming a solid Christian, I also believe from a deeply strong pro-life perspective that all life is valuable. 
And so I am not someone who is pro-death penalty. I don't want to see people put to death. But I believe that most of America, a majority of Americans, I would say, not most, a majority of Americans are certainly wanting to see the death penalty Mm -hmm. executed in this country. You think most people are? I think a majority of people would like to see, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm recent polls have shown that. Okay. Not hmm. by a large majority, 52, 54, okay. 54% of Americans would say yes to the death penalty. Okay. Well, it's a complicated issue. We'd love to hear what you feel about the death penalty. So give us a call at 800-320-8255, 800-320-8255. If you want to weigh into the video stream right now on Facebook, the live one going on, you can for sure do that. You can log on to Facebook and go to 101.5 Word FM or the Ride Home with John and Kathy and put your comments in there. But voices are better. Yes. So we'd love to uh, hear your voice at 800-320-8255. The weird thing is that the United States is one of the few countries in the world that still enacts a death penalty. I mean, most most countries just say no to this. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Most countries have not done this for many, many decades. There are just a few outliers, which is shocking to think the United States in 2020 is still involved in this practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a complicated issue. It really is. And I'm no authority on uh, on this type of thing. But I, I think that there are some misunderstandings off the bat that people have about it. I think that um, people who are anti-death penalty, um, and I am one of those people, I don't, I don't support the death penalty. Um, I think people who are anti-death penalty often come down pretty hard on people who are pro. Um, and they say, you know, you bloodthirsty people, you know, how could you want to do something like that? How could the government be involved in something? like? I think it's important to recognize that the death penalty originally was instituted by God for Israel. And it was not for America, but it was instituted by God for Israel as a matter of restitution. Um, the idea was that that human life is so important that if you take it, you lose yours. Right. I mean, that's where it came from. Um, so it was not a bloodthirsty practice at the beginning. It was not some kind of thing where there were, you know, uh, you know, people roaming around who were just, you know, seeking to put people to death. It wasn't that. It was God saying, this is how important I think life is. That if you take someone else's, yours is gone. Right. You just have to know that. Um, so I think we have to recognize that Genesis nine, six, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God has God made man. Uh-huh. Okay. That's how important it is. Yes. Now, my problem with the death penalty is not how it was originally intended and how, it, how God demanded that it was used in Israel. It is that I just don't think that we're following any of those scriptural procedures at this point in America. And so I just don't have any trust that we're not going to end up putting someone to death who's innocent. That's, mm-hmm. that's my fear. And again, you know, that, that's been proven that people have been put to death who were innocent people. Not to say that people on death row are are, are all innocent, but there is always that possibility that you are executing innocent people. Right. Anyway, uh, Mike, we got somebody on the line? Okay, 800-320-8255, 800-320-8255. You want to join the conversation? Are you pro-capital punishment, right, or anti-capital punishment? We'd love to hear a conversation as the United States has executed two men in just four days. So let's go to the phones. Uh, James, uh, thanks for coming along today. What are your thoughts, please? Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, 
sometimes I wonder if if God, when people uh, die, if He doesn't have a plan for them to come to Him. And for example, like uh, you know, in the Old Testament, when when they when they touched the uh, whatever it was and they died, and in the Old Testament. Do you mean the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, yeah, Ark of the Covenant. You know, he he touched it and he died. And then, yeah. uh, you know, other situations where, uh, you know, God just, you know, kills people or death and everything. I just wonder, is do you think that, uh, you know, he knows in his mind that if he kills them, he can, like, bring them to heaven? Or do you think he kills them and just, frozen the way and that's why i'm calling in is like capital punishment i don't uh you know i agree with it because i think somebody has done something horrible but at the same time i just don't know what happens to that person after death so what's your response well i guess is that person a believer in jesus christ I mean, can you be so heinous and commit such a brutal act and then be sentenced to death and then go to heaven? I believe that you can be, right? If you profess the name of Jesus Christ, if you're lying on that gurney with a needle in your arm and you're about to have that poison injected into your body and you cry out to Christ, well, I believe you'll be going to heaven. But, Kath, it does bring up a lot, host of other issues. Well, no, yeah, kind of, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a wide-ranging question. It is, that, that yeah. I don't feel really capable of, of answering. I want to make sure that when we're talking about, um, it's not like God, he, he, you kept using the term, you know, God killed people. That's not like a widespread thing that happens all over the Bible. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant issue uh, that you're talking about was specific to that. I mean, it was the fact that the, that, the man thought that he was, he, you know, he, he's, he, you know, reached over. Why can't I think of his name? Yeah. Having a mental block. Um, anyway, when he reached out to, to shield the Ark of the Covenant from hitting the ground and he was immediately uh, struck dead. Oh. I mean, his sin was that he thought that he was cleaner than the ground. I mean, right. the whole, the whole reason is that we are eminently sinful. We are every human being is eminently sinful. Um, and so, you know, it just it showed that he was unaware of his position um, with something as holy as the ark. So that, but that again, that didn't happen all the time. It wasn't like God was striking people down left and right. I mean, I think the, the question for today is whether we feel like our actual judicial system is able to carry out something like this purely. And my answer is, I don't think it does. Or if or yourself, I mean, you know, a lot of Christians will say, "Well, I'm pro life." I, I am pro-life. I believe that abortion is evil. But then at the same time, you'll flip-flop and go, yeah, I'm pro-life, but I also believe that capital punishment is good, which, you know, that's kind of upside down. Yeah. I mean, but the situations aren't the same. You can't equate abortion with the capital punishment. But all punishment. life is holy. Right. I mean, it depends on, yeah, if, if you're making the argument that's made in Genesis 9, which is that you that the reason that human life is valuable is because it's made in the image of God. That's yes. why it's valuable. It's not valuable just because it is, you know, no. like for any kind of we are bearers that just pop, but we, we, we bear the image of God. Um, so in that regard, I think you can equate the two. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, there's, 
you're also looking at a completely innocent life um, as far in a judicial sense when you're looking at an unborn child and you're not looking at that as someone who's committed a capital offense. I agree. Right. 800-320-8255 is our number. You want to join the conversation. Mike, did you say uh, Rob is on the phone? Yeah. Hey, Rob. Uh, thanks for joining the conversation. <laughs> Give us your two cents. Okay. Okay. Uh, hey, John, I think the original translation from Hebrew, uh, you know, eventually to English of thou shalt not kill is the uh, solution to the uh, you know, discussion you guys were just having. I'm 90% sure that thou shalt, the, the commandment is actually uh, thou shalt not murder, not thou shalt not kill. Hence, in a situation where there has been these heinous murders, uh, many will say, because of the original translation, it is appropriate to have uh, the death sentence. Mm-hmm. Right. Because thou shalt yeah, not... Yeah, I, I, I can see not. that if you're talking about the... Uh, the scriptural perspective on it. My concern, though, is whether we, as an American judicial system, are able to carry it off in a way How that's so? righteous. In, in a way that's righteous. That's righteous. That, that's, that, that's the problem. I just, right, I just right. don't. I don't have confidence, one hundred percent, that we're able to do that. And so I'm not comfortable. I mean, I, I recognize this, the the um, that the fact that the scripture allows for that. I'm just saying I don't know if we are living up to our part of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rob, sorry, that's a bad connection. We just had to sh- shut you down there. We need to take a quick break. Is that true? Right? Are we are we breaking here? Are we in um are we in a reflective period? Or are we no. are we beyond that? No, we're not. Yeah, okay, we're beyond. good. Okay, eight hundred three two zero eight two five five. You want to join this conversation? Okay, so then go in. Can you go into that? Uza, he's the guy. Uh, with the, the Ark of the Covenant, thank you. Yeah, sorry. So then, in, speak then of the government's responsibility as opposed to a biblical responsibility. Well, the government's responsibility is that you, the judicial system, is fair, is 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 eminently fair. Okay. And so the right. the courts are not prejudiced against people who have different colors, of different socioeconomic backgrounds, or whatever. And we can see just with the number of people who are incarcerated right now, there are many more African Americans incarcerated than white people. All so. right, we got to take a break. You want to join the conversation? Eight hundred three two zero eight two five five. We'll be right back. It's the ride home with John and Kathy here on 101.5 Word FM. WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. Our security in doing anything that God has called us to do is not in our energy, not in our power, but in the supernatural power, in the might, the strength, the endowment of God upon your life to do whatever He's called you to do. Hear the series, Complete in Christ, a study of Colossians, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. In small business, competition can be brutal. Over 90% of your potential customers read online reviews before buying. If your company's online reputation doesn't reflect how your customers feel about your business, then your competitor is getting the sale. If you're going to win the battle, you have to manage your company's online reputation. Reviews911.net wants to offer you a free trial of our online reviews management platform that you can have up and running in about five minutes. You'll learn how to replace bad reviews with good ones and how current reviews can make you show up at the top of local search results. Improve your customer's brand experience and get more reviews on the sites that matter most, like Google, Yelp, Facebook, and all the rest, so that new customers will find you first. Win the Small Business Slugfest when you text WIN to 411411. Reviews911.net. 
411.net. Text the word WIN to 411411 to get your free trial today. Text WIN to 411411. Text WIN to 411411. More than 2 million people fleeing the Syrian civil war have taken refuge in the tiny country of Lebanon. Walking through their camps, you might be surprised to hear this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Children from a Muslim culture reciting Bible verses? Yes! In the midst of a critical, unstable situation, God is saving and changing the hearts of these children and their families through heart for Lebanon. Right now, you can make sure families get emergency supplies and the hope of the gospel they so desperately need. An investment of $116 helps two families for the next 60 days. But with over a thousand families on a waiting list, we hope you'll be as generous as you can. Click the Crisis in Lebanon banner at wordfm.com or call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499. Hello, I'm a famous rock star. You're too kind. Anyway, I'm just a regular guy. I love my family, and I love my sketches. <laughs> Looks like sketches is getting some love, too. They've got slip-ons, flexible knits, and so many ultra-comfortable shoes with Sketches exclusive air-cooled memory foam. Yep, when it comes to comfort and style at a great price, absolutely nothing beats Sketches. Find Sketchers at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish shoes are sold. Welcome back. We're talking about the United States has executed their second federal inmate this week after a 17-year hiatus. Taking your phone calls at 800-320-8255. Adam, you're up with us. What are your thoughts, please? Hey, guys. Like what you do there. I was just uh, listening in, and um, I think Romans 8.28 pretty well sums it up. Uh, What is it? Everything happens. Uh, everything happens uh, to work out for the good of all believers. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I believe that's it. All things um, work together for the good of those who are call, who love God and are called according to his purpose. That, yes, ma'am. I don't discredit absolutely anything. Absolutely everything is possible. If God wants somebody that's on death row to live, they sure. will. For whatever reason, God's in control, I believe that we have a system to follow. It was laid out earlier in the Old Testament, and Jesus wasn't to nullify any of the laws, but to amplify all of them. And I personally believe that capital punishment is a good thing. We do need to rid the evil of this world. Uh, and, and that's pretty much it, guys. All right. Fair enough. All right. That's a I lot appreciate of evil. That. I, I will say, I, Jesus uh, wasn't amplifying the laws of the Old Testament, he was fulfilling them, which I do think is a significant difference. Um, and I would say that um, one of the arguments against capital punishment um, is that his sacrifice has made all things new, that, that no longer do we have to live as we had to live before the perfect God of the universe laid down his life for us. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. I mean, Jesus fulfilling the law to me actually does put a different spin on capital punishment. It, yeah. do, it, 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 it does change it for me. We need to step away again. Sorry, we're up against the clock, but uh, your phone calls 800-320-8255. We'll be back in just a few minutes. It's the ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM.
Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. This is the story they don't want you to see, told by people they don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. This is the story of Uncle Tom. Most people are completely oblivious to the history of the Democratic Party. The party of slavery. The history of the Democratic Party. Jim Crow laws. They're erasing all of the history of this country. They want to cover up history. The real history, not the revisionist history. If you are educated. Black people have been taught. A narrative that has been created. You're actually miseducated. And that's when I realized I've been lied to. I had been misled. It unraveled everything that I need to be true Story. Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, Brandon Tatum. Hear their stories of how their life was changed when they finally figured out the truth. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view and use promo code Hugh for 20% off. UncleTom.com. Promo code Hugh. This is their story of redemption and hope. Looking for an easier way to find your next job? It's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Visit ExpressPros.com to find one of over 830 locations to help support your workforce needs. Eager to continue your theological learning or engage more deeply with Scripture? Enroll as a non-degree or certificate student and take Greek, Hebrew, or other courses online this fall at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Application deadline is July 30th. Visit pts.edu. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. All of a sudden, Mike's talking to me. I'm hearing two people. Um, one thing that's important, I think, to, to to think about when we're thinking about capital punishment and how do we feel about it, is that there were um, several people in the Old Testament who were killers, who were murderers, yeah. who were not killed. Cain was never killed. Moses killed the Egyptian, was never killed. David, right? King David. Right. So the the it wasn't like that capital punishment was carried out all the time and it wasn't carried out against those three. The other thing that I can think of is when the adulterous woman is brought before Jesus, not only does he not advocate for her killing, but he says that the person who um, is without sin should cast the first stone. Right. So it, it, it does seem like 
with Jesus, he brought a, he brought a change. Yes, um, he did. He brought a fulfillment, not an amplification, but a fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, look, uh, tragedy, thank God, has not touched me in this way. And I can imagine if that it did, you would want some. But, you know, you hear that. You want restitution. And, again, that's the heart not gonna of happen. it. That's the heart of it from Genesis 9. The heart of it is restitution. But people so say, I, I like, want. I feel like people who disagree on this need to hear each other a little more. Or people say, I want closure. There's no closure. Yeah, right. Your loved one's gone forever. <laughs> By killing someone else, it doesn't bring you but closure. You want, I, but you want there to be justice, right? Yeah, I agree. Hey, find us on Facebook. We're always happy to see you there and have that conversation. Stick around. Have a good night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.